Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and uh, this is the special Labor Day edition of Cast and Wax. And of course, Labor Day being uh, the day of the working man, right? I chose this day to give the secret signal, which I'm giving right now, secret signal, for my communist brethren to overthrow the country. Yes, that is right. This is the secret time in which the violent uprising begins and the people take back their nation. This will be the people's nation of the United States of America, and from now on, Labor Day will be known as the People's Day. Um, And so now, the victory is ours, and so I play the traditional victory song. Yes, we have won. We have overthrown our oppressors. And so if you're listening to this uh, after Monday, you already know, spoiler, it spoiled the podcast, that it's time for the uprising to begin. But if you're listening to this Monday morning and it hasn't begun, look around you. Uh, In the next hour or so of the podcast, it should be, according to the secret plans that I've laid out with all my compatriots, should be moving along nicely and we should be overthrowing the government. So with that in mind... Uh, let's get right to our podcast. I have my three other co-hosts to introduce. Uh, first of all, Mr. Frank Allen. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm sorry. I'm still a little confused about the communist overthrow. I'm, I'm, I must say I'm confused about that as well. I wasn't aware of such a thing occurring. Well, that makes sense because you guys aren't one of us. But, uh, like I said, secret plot. Uh, and like I said, now we run the world. That was a little better. No, is it all right? No, the ukulele thing was fine. It's it's more. I don't understand what you're a secret communist. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not so much of really a communist. Communist is a bit extreme. I'm more of a socialist. But uh, you know, again, the people were oppressed, so they're not going to put up with that for so long. Where are they? So we put our little plan into action. Me and you know, 
the people. By which you mean the majority of the people of the United States of America? No, 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 like the people, like the, you know, the proletariat. Do you ever know what that means? I, you know, it's like the people, right? I mean, basically, look, we're, we're doing introductions. So Frank Allen, please. I'm Frank Allen. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reporter. I'm a, I'm a investigative journalist sometimes, a, a, a host at other times. Uh, that's why I'm trying to probe into the, this matter. You're, so I don't understand. Uh, so this is, there are a lot of people involved in this? There's, there's a number of people involved in this. Um, and, uh, like I said, at this point, how far into the podcast are we? A few minutes. So, you know, we're, we're going to be a good way into the, the overthrow. I wouldn't be surprised, those of you listening, if you hear a little, you know, a little screaming around you. Um, but it's, you know, don't be afraid. Because in the long run, this is going to be, you know, better for you. And I say that with confidence, that this is going to be better for you because there's such a, a small minority of people who are incredibly rich, you know, and so what are the odds that you're one of them? Fairly low, I would imagine. So if you, if you are one of them, you know, obviously you're going to probably, you know, well, let's just say it's not going to be good. Uh, but <laughs> what are you, are you are laughing about this? No, look, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's for the people. It's for the people's good. Like I said, so you're, I mean, Frank, you, you're, you work at a McDonald's, so, you know, you're not one of the elite. Well, no, but I would like to be. Yeah, but you're not. So, you know, you're, you're going to make out on this. You're going to, you're one of the working stiffs. We're the ones who are going to win. I almost got that. Yes, but what about those of us with money? Well, are you, I mean, so this is Rory Sinjin, another one of our hosts. Are you implying that you're one of the super rich? You're, you're in the top 1% of, of the income? Well, I do all right. You know, I, I, I couldn't say specifically if, if I was, you know, that high. Well, yeah. the tax records will come out when we, when we overthrow the government. But I, I, you know, if you are, I'm sorry. It's nothing personal. It's just for the good of the country and the good of the people, really. But the country is the people and the government is the people. So really, even this, this is even for the good of the government, really, because the people are the government, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, it's all one. Uh, there's going to be healthcare for all. There's going to be equality. There's going to be no discrimination. Uh, you know, all these good things. That's, I mean, that's what our, our victory is about. No, I, I, I keep messing it up. There we go. That's just, I have to play a lot slower. I, 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 I don't, I hope that you're wrong about this. Well, I, I don't think we are. But look, you know, relax. Don't worry about it. Everything. I mean, look, guys, we're recording this on top secret spoiler, you know, for behind the, behind the curtain. We record this on Sunday. So everything's all right for now. You guys have an opportunity now to go home and, you know, get ready for the, the battle to come. Uh, but everybody listening to this on the podcast, obviously it's happening all around you, you know, you're probably a little scared. Don't, look, don't be scared. You're going to be all right because you're one of us, one of the people. Um, but I do have one other co-host to introduce. Uh, this is my cat, Scapey. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, I, you don't seem too upset about the, the violent overthrow of, of our way of life. No, no, not really. Because I don't, really, I don't really leave the house pretty much ever, almost. So, as long as I can continue to rock and continue to do stories, I'm basically okay. And you can. There's nothing stopping you. You don't make money on your songs or your stories as it is. So, you know, there's no not going to be any difference in your life, really. You're going to be able to continue on as if nothing ever happened. That sounds good. Yes, it is. Um, everybody else, on the other hand, I mean, Frank, look at it this way, Frank. You know, maybe when we when we take everything over and we evaluate everyone for what what use they are to their fellow people, maybe we will look at you and say, well, this guy is useful as a host and install you in as some sort of host of some sort of thing. And that way you won't have to work at a drive-thru anymore. Well, that's, I mean, I guess that's good, but what kind of a host are you talking? Well, it's, look, it's not up to me. It's the will of the people where you fit in society. You know, there's going to be a lot of, of input into that, you know, not just me saying, well, you know, you to host a TV show. Well, a TV show would be pretty nice. I, but it's not up to me, is what I'm saying. Well, uh, still, I think that's a pretty wise choice. Well, 
maybe maybe it will be. Um, and then Rory, same thing, you know. Uh, well, I don't. I mean, how much money do you have? Well, I, I you know, I have a look. I I have a, a decent amount of money, but it it isn't. It doesn't mean I'm not a good person. You know? Well, come, <laughs> you know what? It doesn't mean that. <laughs> I mean, how do you get money if you're a good person? You know, how do you accumulate a large sum of money without being a bad person? Really? Well, that's not that's not a nice thing to say. I, this isn't. A, you know what? It's Labor Day. It's the People's Day. It's time for the revolution. I, it, niceness doesn't have to enter into it right now. What, how much money do you have? I'm not going to tell you how much money I have. Well, that, then you probably have too much. No, look, I'm saving it for a secret project. It's, it's not, it's, but it, it's a project that benefits the people. What, yeah, what, what kind of project? Well, all right, look, if you must know, I was going to announce it, you know, when it got more solidly underway, but I'm, I'm, I'm building up money to fund a new institute. Oh, for, for extra historical studies? Like, cause the, your old one was, you used to work at the Brooklyn Institute. It's the Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Studies. And it, and it was closed down by a vicious madman. No, I was not a madman. Well, the point is, I, I wanted to start a new, an all new Brooklyn Institute. No, I, well, I figured, you know, I live in Queens. So how about a Queens Institute for Extra Historical Studies, maybe? That's, you know, that's fair. But again, it's not up to me. The people will decide if that makes you a worthwhile person to exist. So it won't be up to me. I'll put in a good word with the people. I mean, I'm one of the people, so... Well, can't I be one of the people? Well, they have to decide that, I think. Well, that's not exactly right. Well, I, th I think it's it's fairly fair. Um, but we have to keep things moving. It's a big revolution. You know, we've got to get it done on a schedule. On a schedule. So, uh, at this point, um, listen, if you're not being rounded up by agents of the revolution yet, you probably will be shortly. And if you are, you know, again, just go along with them and everything will be all right. It's not going to be, it's not, it doesn't have to be a violent revolution. Let me, let me put it that way. Well, Chris, yeah, don't you, don't you like hate violence? I do. No, I really do. But if they, if they, you know, the powers that be are the ones who put it into a position to, to make, make it a might makes right type situation. And there's a lot of, of us oppressed peoples in the world. So, you know, are you, would you call yourself an oppressed people? You personally? Well, I, I mean, you know, it's it's in spirit because you don't seem very oppressed. You you work at a comic book company, for Christ's sake. What, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it's not it's not exactly you know a useful occupation to the people, is it? Well, the people need comic books. Is that one of the vital things that that human beings need? Food, shelter, comic books. Well, no, it's not on that level. But I work at Marvel and I do you know good work. I don't see what you what you're trying to get at. Well, I'm getting at that if you, if you can't so much about the people, you could you know do a job that actually helps them rather than. Well, I I planned a revolution. Is that not enough? Yeah, you know, I suppose it is. You know, sure. All right, then. Thank you. Anyway, look, Rory, the point was, we have to get to your section. The first thing we do is extra history now. So, Rory, um, we wait, don't that, have any... Wait, What? What? You forgot the song. We have to do a song for extra history now. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, I did say it wouldn't affect you any, so let's do the song. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. <laughs>
yes, thank you very much. So, Extra History now is the segment where we, we do an extra historical reading. I ask that you write into me at castandwax at gmail.com to, you know, bring, provide me with a problem in your life, and then I will look at it from an extra historical perspective. Right, and we didn't get any letters, <sighs> unfortunately. Well, please write into me, please. But it's no big deal because there's something big going on. We know a problem that a lot of people have is that they are afraid because there is a revolution happening around them, and they are uncertain of how things are going to turn out. So, Rory, I'd like for you to give them an extra historical reading about that, and and preferably about a world where the revolution doesn't happen. I'm sorry? About the world where the, the revolution doesn't happen. Right, because you typically you do an extra historical reading, and you say, uh, you, you provide them with a world that is worse. And obviously, the world where it didn't happen is worse than the one where it does, because that's why, I mean, that's why we're doing it. So, um, you know, just to ease everybody's fears, can you just give them a little reading for the world where, where, where the revolution doesn't go down? Uh, well, all right, yes, there is a world where on Labor Day 2009, uh, the revolution does not occur. The, the communist socialist people's revolution. Um, and in that world, capitalism continues. Um, Obama is still called a communist, naively, and he tries to put through a, a healthcare package. But it doesn't, it doesn't really cover everyone and it's not entirely satisfactory to everyone. And, um, you know, there are people who are rich who make a lot of money and there are people who are poor who don't, you know, and it's disproportionate and the poor people suffer and the rich people don't particularly care. So there's that. No, but get, really get into the bad, you know, the nitty gritty. I mean, that's all true and that's all unfortunate. Yes. But I know, I know, but I want, you know, come on, the real, the meat and potatoes, the like, oh God, oh no, not that, no! Yeah, yeah uh, all right, um, in that world, you know, uh, there are, let's say there are four rich people who are competing to own as much of everything as possible. And they just continue going around and around and, 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 and buying up everything they can find. They, they go to a new place and if no one owns it yet, they say, I buy it. I buy it. And once they get groups of places, you know, they build, they build them up with, with houses and, and places for people to live and stay in hotels and things like that. And when other people will, will come to their places, they have to pay them all sorts of money until that it's constantly like you just get, you get a small pittance of, you know, $200 or something every day or every week or however long and then you you're just paying it off to people because all you do is stay on their on their streets you know on their in their houses and and you just have to keep paying them money and you know every once in a while that so you take a chance but you know it doesn't really pay off because it takes you to some railroad or other and you know they charge you $200 to go from railroad to railroad it, it, it's 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 an incredibly expensive world so much so that eventually everyone would go bankrupt except for the fact that it's rigged in such a way that you don't go bankrupt you just you know lose all your money and then get a little bit more and then lose all of that forever ad infinitum well that that was good that was that monopoly did you just do a summary of monopoly well that's a lot it's, it's based on you know capitalism monopoly is well yeah well, yeah i mean that's basically what it's like though so i mean that's essentially right right i mean you didn't put in any parts about you know starving to death in the gutter or or children not having opportunity to learn and stuff like that well that's you know that's all true sometimes they have to you know tap into some sort of community chest of, of opportunity no that no that's nothing to do with it and there's no free parking in real life well there is you know it's just there's alternate side of the street no that's but that's i mean you but but they don't have the optional rule where you get five hundred dollars no that's true they definitely really don't have that. If I when I get free parking space, I don't get five hundred dollars. It's it's almost as valuable as five hundred dollars sometimes, depending on how good of a spot it is. No, that's not that's not what we're talking. Okay, <sighs> look, it, 
for all of you out there listening, I, by now I'm sure your your area leader has started sorting you into groups of you know workers and and bourgeoisie, uh, trying to sort out the people who like have you know versus the people who have not or have only a little. So listen, just you know, again, just go with them. If you have, here's a, I'll give you a friendly tip because you're a fan of my podcast. If you're wearing any diamonds, you know, you might want to just just drop them somewhere because again, like that's just one of the signs they look for. I mean, I understand it's one of those marriage things, but seriously. Seriously, if it's a big one, you know, you might want to just throw it because they're going to, I mean, they're going to think that you have money and that's, you know, money's going to be, that's the other thing is money's going to be useless. So if you've got money, like if you have cash on you, you might as well just chuck it or, you know, give it to somebody else. If you give it to a poor guy right now, he'll probably take it because he doesn't realize like some homeless guy. And then they'll think he's got money and just made himself look dirty. So I'm, I'm, and again, I'm only saying that I don't agree with that. I don't think it's a nice thing to do, but because you are a listener of my podcast, you random rich person, I don't know who you are, then perhaps you should do that. And thank me when you see me you know, in the new world. But anyway, that was so hypocritical. I can't believe you just said all that. No, again, I, it's like I said, I don't condone it really. But you told them to do it and they're going to tell all their rich friends. But no, they're not going to, they, oh, you, they might. But look, if they listen to my podcast, it's just a little, like I said, it's a little gimme from me to them. So not a lot. I mean, you know, I doubt, like I said, I doubt a lot of rich people listen to my podcast, but if you do, thank you. And that's my way of thanking you is that when, when we overthrow everything, maybe you can find a way to slip through the cracks. I, again, I can't promise anything. Dad, do I Am I rich? No, you're you're a cat. You have nothing. Uh, I have catnip. Well, yes. It's not worth anything. It's worth a lot to me. That's like the value you put on it. Yes, but isn't that the same thing? The person who has a diamond paid a lot of money for it because it's worth that to them. And so if his catnip is worth as much to him as a diamond is worth to a woman, then he's just as rich as she is. That That's not... I That doesn't seem to make sense. But no, I don't think that's true. Well, I think it is true. Well, I... I don't, but he's my cat and I love him. Yeah, well, then perhaps instead of killing your cat, you should just not kill anyone. I didn't say I was going to kill anyone. I'm not going to kill anybody. I, like I said, I don't want this to be violent at all. It doesn't have to be a big thing. If you just accept and admit that you guys are all, you know, rigging the game for for all of us normal people, then we can be fine. And then we can, you know, have our victory. <laughs> With no trouble. All right, look, uh, we just, we got to get to the show. Um, up first, we've got an episode of Epic Echoes called From Australia With Love. Um, this one is the first time you will have ever heard a certain character that we lovingly like to call Manslaughter. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. The Backward Series, Season 4, Episode 2, From Australia with Love, by Guinevere Ecker. A flash of light appeared in the sky over the luscious outback of Australia, the Milky Way's leading penal colony, and Class .3 Restricted Zone, meaning you don't just come and go. Of the last three time-steppers to step there, two were executed for violation of galactic law. The third was invited to stay. Which is why when Fertress Fuzzbottom realized exactly where the formerly female Jill Slaughter had stepped them to, he was more than slightly nervous. Okay, Fergus, we have exactly three hours to find the fur of the blue kangaroo and mix it with the unicorn saliva and get out of here. Wait, you said the. Yeah, sure, and? You said the blue kangaroo, not a blue kangaroo. Right. I don't mean to question the almighty power of your ginormous brain, but do you know how many kangaroos are in Australia? Given the year, I'd say approximately 7,923,004. 
Give or take. And there's only one real one! Yes. Are you crazy or something? It's inherently possible. More to the point, though, I've been in touch with a guy who knows a guy who knows a kangisu. Kangaroo! No, dumbbutt. It's her name. Anyways, she's the guardian of a baby blue kangaroo, and she resides somewhere in the Great Sandy Desert. Are you kidding me? The Great Sandy Desert? Look, that's what it's called. You're wasting our time. Fertress flipped through his spellbook in search of an incantation that would locate anything blue in color, while Manslaughter scanned the desert with the info glasses she'd borrowed from Keen, intent on finding anything containing kangaroo DNA. G'day. Manslaughter and Fertress yelped in surprise at the new voice. <laughs> Turning, Jill found himself staring eye to eye with a female western gray kangaroo. Um, g'day? I'm guessing you two are here about the baby blue kangaroo. How did you know? You're here. Fair enough. I'm Kangi Sue. The wee one's back at the den. Come on. So Manslaughter and Fertress set off after Kangi Sue, who had to stop every few paces to wait for her slower followers to catch up. In no time, they came to a second female kangaroo, sitting under a large shade tree. I found him, Kangi Eugenia. They be wanting to see how bad. At the sound of his name, a small, blue, and fascinatingly adorable joey poked its head out of Kangi Eugenia's pouch. Well, there you go. Take good care of him. Wait, what? We can't take him. We only have an exit visa for two. And I'm sure not sticking around. But I thought... We only need three hairs from the tip of his tail. Oh. Okay, but... Something on your mind, lady? Well, what are we supposed to do with a blue kangaroo? Um, same of you always done. Anyways, thanks a mil. We have to get going. We're already way behind schedule. With a final handshake, Fertress and Manslaughter stepped out of the Australian outback and back to Fertress's workshop. Fertress expertly added the unicorn saliva and the three blue hairs from the tail of a baby blue kangaroo to a mixture of lavender, soy protein, and chocolate. Why the chocolate? You like chocolate, don't you? Well, yeah, but... Then don't question! Fertress finished mixing the concoction, which burst into purple flames before settling into a gelatin-like blue substance. Manslaughter eyed it warily, but prompted by a glare from Fertress, pinched his nose and gulped it down. He braced himself. Nothing happened. It takes a few minutes to set her in. Come on, let's get back to your pack, people. Slaughter once again grabbed Fertress's paw, and he whooshed them through space into the control chamber of Flashpoint. Whoa, that was weird. Dralis Thornfield dropped the four-ton barbell that she had been holding above her head with her right arm while catching up on a little light reading of the newest Flash Pack comic book with her left. Luckily, she was using her anti-gravity-protected barbell, the one that came with a lifetime guarantee against injury if dropped, including the payment of all funeral expenses should there be an accident. Jill! You were supposed to report back here 16 hours ago. Where in the three universes of Praedon have you been, young lady? Man, wait, you're a girl again. Nice to see you too, Dralis. Sorry, Slaughter. We were just so worried about you and... Oh, gods, you brought the cat back with you. That's cat man to you, miss. But you can call me Fertress. (laughs) (sighs) Hey, guys. She called, leaning on the intercom button. Slaughter's back and she's a... Girl! You say it like it's going to get them here any faster. Look, sweetie pie, we've got three priorities right now. Lunch, Von Wicked, and you. Von Wicked again? Man, I thought we'd gotten rid of him in Toronto. And now he's back. According to Jimmy, anyway. The rest of the flash pack came crashing into the control room. I still can't believe I made out with her. You made out with the Empress of Alter Earth? How else was I supposed to get her to show me? You know what, Jimmy? I'm really not in the mood to hear that part of the story again, okay? The group stood in silence for a moment, Jimmy really wanting to relate the rest of his story again, and everyone else trying to decide on the most tactful way of approaching Slaughter's reinstated femaleness. So, you're a girl again. Yep, I'm enjoying it too. 
Sorry, Jalus. And you brought the cat back. It's Cat Man! Don't you humans listen? You know with your ears? Yes, I brought Fertress back. How can I not after- Sarah, honey, you look dreadful. The pack turned around to see Sarah Keen leaning in the doorway. Her skin was white, her entire body shook, and her eyes were drooping even further than her normally vibrantly gravity-defying hair. Sarah, I told you to stay in bed. As in, not get up. I've read the dictionary too, Molly. And I miss Slaughter. And I thought if she told you all her ventures tales now, that she'd forget to tell me later. Oh, Keen, go back to bed. I promise I'll give you a private rendition of my fantastic exploits later, okay? Keen shuffled back to her room and the rest of the flashback settled into the control room chairs. So after we left you guys, we made a beeline for the Australian Outback in 5976, where we talked Australia? to- Australia? What is wrong with you? You never, ever, 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 ever go to Australia in any time period. Ever. Even I know it's a time-restricted zone. Um, chill. We got special dispensation from the Board of Trustees. But what about the gaping hole in the ozone layer? You could have been fried or boiled, and, and there's convicts. What if you got infected? Jimmy Kovacs. I'm sure Slaughter knew what he, or she, was facing and took every precaution. Besides, I didn't set up that sanitization field around Flashpoint just because I was bored. Right. Boredom resulted in the program that tracks Professor Stelloff's every move here. Max, do you really want him rifling through my closet of explosive elements? Because I don't. Hey guys, something about the explanation of why Slaughter left as a man and came back as a woman? Right. So we got the special dispensation. Slaughter spent the next three hours telling of their time in Australia, interrupted only twice, once to make lunch and once to throw together a makeshift litter box for Fertress. Once Slatter had finished, Max had filled her in on their plan to corner Von Wicked in order to find out who was really masterminding the events of the past six months, and everybody headed back to their normal activities. Dralis pulled Slatter aside. So, Jill, now that you're, well, a woman again, does that mean that we're- I'm sorry, Dralis. That was a one-time thing and you knew it. Besides, we've both got our respective secret admirers, and I, for one, am interested in finding out who mine is. Just as Dralis was preparing to press the issue, the voice of one Dr. Nictoria Stelloff came blasting over the intercom. Help! Flashback! Assistance! Aid! The wicket is coming! Confused and slightly agitated at their comrade's lack of restraint and his probable gullibility, the flashback double-timed it to Stelloff's chamber. The poor man sat at his computer console, shaking, sweating, and gibbering. Max turned on his leader voice and promptly asked the obligatory questions. Professor Stelloff, are you okay? What happened? What is a wicket and where is it coming to? With a trembling hand, Dr. Stelloff hit the replay button on his vidmail screen. A face appeared and the flash pack gasped. <gasps> Greetings, Professor Friend of the Brat Pack. How are you today? Comfortable? Well-fed? Living? I hope you've gotten over the loss of that darling girl scientist with enough grief left to spend on yourself. You tell those brats from me, Van Wicked is coming for you all! The flashback stood in silence, taking in this most recent threat to their health and well-being. Well, you gotta admit it's getting better! The group turned to look at the Catman and saw Keen, once again, clinging to the doorframe, clutch her head and slump to the ground. Sarah! Yep, getting better all the time. I'll go chase her tail, flea brain. What? It's true! At least this time you know who you're up against, even if you don't know what you're up against. Out! With his tail held at an imperial angle, Fertress Fuzzbottom gave a disgruntled mew and vanished from the room. Meow. Did you really have to do that, Max? Sure, he was annoying, but he was a really big help with that potion. 
He can be really useful in a pinch. Guys, now is not the time. Unless you want to bury someone else, of course. The flashback burst into action. Dralis and Slaughter carried Keen to the infirmary, while Molly ran ahead to set up the appropriate diagnostic and life-saving equipment. Max made a few calls to the medical community, and finally, after fighting with three secretaries and one very disgruntled witch doctor, gave up Molly's ID number just to get some results. Those results being that Obadiah Quentin Health, MD, PhD, the best doctor of super medicine out there, was on his way to Flashpoint. Jimmy, meanwhile, had gone to the pack's recently acquired catship, Marvin 3, to prepare it for takeoff. Twenty minutes later, the Flash Pack left Keen in the capable hands of Dr. Health and were rocketing toward western Pennsylvania. So, do we actually have a plan for when we land and Von Wicked is standing right outside of our ship? Destroy him! I think she wanted something just a teensy more specific than that, bro. Well, whatever course of action we choose, I recommend we outline fast because that ground is getting awfully... Uh. Ow! Molly, I thought you said you could fly this thing. Yes, and I did. I never said I was an expert at landing a foreign ship. I'm still getting used to it. It's not easy to operate all hunched over. The flashback climbed from their battered catship, assessing themselves for broken bones and the like. We really need to work on not destroying ships. Psh, this one's an easy fix. I just need to put together a tightest steel warping device and bend the sides back into shape. The engine itself seems to be in fine con... Dishon. Molly trailed off as her gaze followed the shocked expression and pointing finger of Jimmy Kovacs. Oops. Yep, that's a good word for it. Two tuxedo pants clad legs ending in shiny black and white saddle shoes poked out from under the Marvin 3. <laughs> Fooled you again, Flashpack. You thought you could finish me off with such clever ease. But alas, here I stand, your greatest adversary. You call that standing, huh? M- Molly? What's that? It looks like Von Wicked started to transport right as we landed on him and didn't do it fast enough. Sure enough, ten yards away on the grass to the great Von Wicked, from the torso up. The tails of his tux jacket flapped on the ground behind him, which, combined with two bow ties, one of platinum, the other of green silk with a tiger print, and one long striped necktie, made the sight of the mad scientist more than a little hilarious. I vote we shoot it. Done. Wow. I never thought getting rid of him would be that simple. I bet you never thought of crash landing onto him either. Shut up. Though I do wish you could have waited to shoot until after we asked him who was behind all this. I thought we decided that Von Wicked was the mastermind. Not quite, Jimbo. And Molly, total kudos on the Wizard of Oz effect. Not quite. His shoes were mighty shiny, but they sure weren't red. (laughs) No, but that guy's got a killer hat. Who has a killer hat? Can the wearer of said hat give the flashback any clues as to who has been out to get them all this time? Will Keen be okay? Find out the answers to these questions and more next week when this season of Epic Echoes concludes with Unmasked. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter and Kangi Su, Tongwen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress Fuzzbottom, Jordan D. White was Dr. Stenhoff, and Andrew Teller was Manslaughter. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, comrade. Thank you very much. And uh, next up, we have an interesting thing called This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History. Um, now, listen, at this point, those of you in the New York area are probably accumulating at the bottom of the Empire State Building. Again, don't worry. This is all This is all part of the plan. It's all totally sensible. It's totally sensible. We do have a laboratory under the Empire State Building. That's where you guys are all headed. It's, it's very large, so it probably will fit most of the people from Manhattan 
at once, but we're going to do it in shifts. We're going to do it in shifts. That's why we've been lining you up. Don't worry. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of. Um, but you're lucky because this will be definitely all be over by the time you're done with the podcast and you've got a podcast to get you through it. Those of you who don't listen to my podcast, well, aren't hearing me say this, but those of you, those of the, those people around you, I should say, who don't have the podcast, they're, you know, they're the unfortunate ones. They're probably just hearing who knows what. I mean, feel free to dispense some of the information with them. It's not, look, tell them not to worry. You know, it's no big deal. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. You're going down into the lab. It's, it, it's not going to hurt. Nothing's going to be painful. Don't worry about it. It's not a problem. Um, but that's what's going on. So, Rory, where are they now in history? Um, I, a secret laboratory under the Empire State Building. Yes, but again, like I said, don't worry. It's not going to hurt. There's nothing to be afraid of. That's a little alarming. No, it's not. A, it's, it's it's fine. It's fine. Just relax. Go with the flow. Go with the flow. There's something about today. today's day in history? Uh, yes. I, I, let's listen to it. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Roy Sinjin. On September 7th, 1996, actor and hip-hop recording artist Tupac Shakur is shot several times in Las Vegas, Nevada after attending a boxing match. Shakur was riding in a black BMW with Death Row Records founder Marion Suge Knight when a white Cadillac sedan pulled alongside and fired into Shakur's car. Well, I, I sure love Tupac Shakur. I wish I could make him have millions of dollars with the flip of a switch. Wait a minute. I'll pull out my make man have millions of dollars with the flip of a switch machine. Looks just like a gun. I don't need to read the instructions. I'll just point it at him. Bang! That is hmm. whack. He doesn't look well. Those policemen are after me. They think I've shot him instead of giving him millions of dollars. And so does he. He's dead. I guess his will will be worth a lot more. I have to run away now. Ah! Hey, is he gone? Totally is. Good. Let's get out of here. The nice. insurance. Man, it'll pay out nice. I think he just gave me millions of dollars. Tupac Shakur went on to become president of the United States, all without ever revealing that he secretly staged his own death. That doesn't have anything to do with the lesson, however, which was to do with the killer from before. He should always make sure to read the instruction manual that comes with any important or dangerous machinery, like guns or give a person a million dollar guns. Uh, both of them look very similar, so don't get confused. This is This Day in History on WHRW Bing. But don't try to front yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. And I know after that harrowing tale, you're all wondering what became of the killer. Well, he went on the run. And soon the mayor called in the all-new Hypercops program. The Hypercops were specially trained police officers wearing giant robo-suits. The problem, of course, being that these were new Hypercop recruits who hadn't really studied their field manuals all that well for the Hypercop suits. They pursued the killer, who still had his make someone to get a million dollars by a flip of the switch gun, and he was firing this gun at them, thinking that it was a regular gun because he believed at the time that it killed Tupac. If these Hypercops had read their manuals, Annuals, they would have known that these suits did have protection against to make someone have a million dollars at a flip of a switch gun. Unfortunately, they did not know. And so when the blast of the make someone have a million dollars with a flip of the switch gun hit them, millions of dollars began pouring out of their orifices. This jammed up the suit's internal mechanisms, causing them to careen wildly, destroying most of the inner part of the city. And of course, it was based on the rebuilding process after this that Tupac masqueraded as his own brother, Nupac, ran for president and was elected. But think of the lives it cost. And all because someone did not read the manual. My name is Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Guest Wax. See, that's that's pretty interesting. Maybe if Nupak had taken over the government, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. But again, what at what cost? I doubt that things would have been significantly better. He was, you know, a recording artist. He was pretty rich, I would imagine. Yes, but look where he came from. Which is where? Uh, I, I don't know anything about Tupac, so I don't know. I, I may be from somewhere poor. 
doesn't matter. Point is, uh, this is where we find ourselves. I'm, I don't, I'm not ready to accept this. You're rounding everyone up and ushering them through the secret lab underneath the Empire State Building in the New York area. There's labs all over the country uh, ready for this processing and ready to start churning out the people that we want to have, you know, in this new nation. So it, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, the people that we want to have in this new nation? What does that mean? What, what do you, it's not like the citizens. Yeah, but what do you need a lab for? It doesn't, what, it, why are you all up in my butt? You know, it's not a big deal. Look, it's, we're just making things all right. What's the problem? God, you know, you get all uptight. Ooh, laboratory. Like, what are you, scared of science? I'm not scared of science. Well, then... What's the problem? Well, the problem is, what are you doing to people? I Look, Frank, it's time for your section of the show. It's time for Tractor Fiction. So you can either, you know, do Tractor Fiction, or you can be like, oh, laboratory. You're going to experiment on people. We're not experiment. We're done. We finished the experiments a long time ago. I mean, come on. We wouldn't be doing this if we didn't know what we were doing. Come on. You experimented on people? I didn't do anything. I'm, I work with comic books. But there are people. Look, this. I don't need to explain myself to you. I won't have to explain myself to you after tomorrow, because you'll understand inherently. You're going to be going to one of the labs, too. Relax. Everything is all right. I'm not sure of that. Do you, last chance. Tractor fiction or not. Yeah, I want to do tractor fiction. You know, I mean, come all on. All right, then go ahead. Fine, fine, fine. Hello and welcome to Tractor Fiction on WHRW Binghamton. My name's Frank Allen. Uh, here on Tractor Fiction, we examine the works of Jack Chick, and then we have a debate as to the uh, so-called veracity of the works. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that if you want to see the works of Jack Chick, you can go to uh, chick.com. That's where he's got all his uh, stuff up there for you to peruse. Uh, but we're going to enact a little tract called Ransom right here. Let's begin the tract. Once upon a time, in an opulent home belonging to a pair of godless, liberal billionaires, just like the opulent home belonging to the godless, liberal billionaires in your neighborhood, Connor Van Clive peered out his window and spotted a visitor approaching. Constance, why on earth is your twin sister Bonnie coming up our drive? To pay off her loan, Poopsie. Including all the interest, I hope. <laughs> but Conrad was not the only one watching his sister-in-law's approach. In a nearby van, two nasty, wasty crooks spied on her through a pair of binoculars. I think that's her. Look at the picture, stupid. Indeed, Bonnie did look just like the woman in the picture, her twin sister, Constance. Bingo, let's grab her. And they did just that. Get her in the van. It won't start. Lady, you're going to make us very rich. As the crooks sped away, their prisoner, bound and gagged, Conrad and Constance came outside to see where she had gone. Where's Bonnie? Who cares? <gasps> Oil on my driveway! How dare she? Soon, the terrible kidnappers make their horrific ransom call. Get Conrad Van Clive on the line, now. Yes, yes. Conrad Van Clive here. We've got your wife. We want two million cash, or else. That's impossible. Constance is taking a bubble bath. <laughs> you must have her twin sister. Please keep her. Constance, your sister has been kidnapped, and they're demanding a ransom. Notify the authorities. Good heavens, now I'll miss my tennis match. The crooks were not very thrilled about this news. They confronted their victim. Are you Constance Van Clive? No, Connie's my sister. Winky Snatchers! It's not over yet. I'll call the sister. She'll pay the ransom. And call he did. 
But by that time, the police were already on the job. Answer the phone, ma'am. Not one dime, darling. It's my money. Hello? Listen up. We've got your sister. I'm sorry, but Conrad and I simply can't get involved. We're leaving for Europe tomorrow. Ta-ta! We got him! The kidnappers' hearts sunk, realizing they had a worthless hostage. They turned us down. Do you understand, lady? You have not been ransomed. Oh, yes, I have. My ransom has been paid in full, and I've been set free. She's nuts. What are you talking about, lady? Here's something you boys need to know. You're both in trouble. It started back when Adam and Eve sinned. Sin entered the world through them, and all mankind was infected by it. Sin keeps people out of heaven. I don't get it. The whole world was held hostage to sin and needed to be ransomed. Only someone without sin could pay that ransom. So God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to pay off the ransom. Jesus never sinned, so when he died on the cross, he paid the ransom for our sins. Those who have never been ransomed belong to Satan, and he controls their lives. Then, when they die, they go to the lake of fire where they will burn with the devil forever. But anyone who accepts Jesus as their Savior goes to heaven, because their ransom has been paid. When I accepted Jesus, my ransom was paid, and I was set free from sin, and I was promised a home in heaven. Here's how the ransom was paid. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, in hell, but have everlasting life, in heaven. He did that for me? Can we go to heaven, too? Sure. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ransom for my sins. Please, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal savior. Suddenly, the police burst into the shack. Gunshot hard in the faces of the evildoers. Don't move. You have the right to remain silent. How dare you invade our prayer meeting? Have you no respect? Aren't you going to press charges? No. These are my new brothers. Officer, you need to be ransomed. What? And, um, that's the entire tract of, uh, Ransom. Please don't confuse it with the Mel Gibson movie of the same name. They're not really very, uh, similar in pretty much any way, other than that there is a kidnapping. Uh, that's about it. And I think Mel Gibson believes in Jesus, but that's about the only similarity. Uh, of course, as always, we have a, uh, debate here on Tractor Fiction. Uh, we have two incredible debaters with us who have been preparing for this debate for about, uh, if I read my notes correctly, it looks like uh, three years we've had this scheduled. Uh, they've been putting it off because they wanted to get really uh, get their uh, their facts straight. Uh, debater number one, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Jessalyn. Hi there, Jessa. Um, uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself, just briefly. Um, I am nineteen. And I'm going to college this fall, and I want to be a minister. That's awesome. That's really awesome. You've been uh, preparing for this debate since you were 16. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, debater number two, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Conrad Van Clive. Oh, Mr. Van Clive, it's very good to have you. I, uh, I understand you are a very busy man being so rich and all. Yes, it's difficult to manage these... Billions, near trillions of dollars, but I find a way. <laughs> and, of course, we all understand. And, you know, it's, it's, it even goes without saying that, of course. Uh, Jessa Lynn uh, believes this tract is 100% true. And uh, Mr. Van Clive, even though he was in it, believes it is false. Blatant misrepresentation. Um, tell us all about it, Mr. Van Clive. Well, 
I'm not going to get any of the God stuff here. I just want to say my wife and I love our sister-in-law, and we would never treat her so poorly. We tried to pay the ransom, but it just wasn't possible. Fortunately, through the efficiency of the police force, they were able to find her before those nasty and wasty criminals could do anything terrible to her. I think he's lying. Oh, you do? Why is that? Because why would Jesus let a lie like this be published in his name? Well, I don't think Jesus actually wrote the tract. Well, but he let it be published. Well, he also let Mr. Van Clive say what he just said, did he not? (sighs) He's obviously under the influence of the devil. Jesus is? No, him! You, sir, little girl, whose name isn't important enough for me to remember. I, I have to say here... I don't know much about this Jesus, as you've put it, but if he's in charge of stopping lies from going through, he's definitely been asleep at the switch. <sighs> well, okay, uh, now here's the... I have a question, Mr. Van Clave. If If that was not true, then why did you participate in a reenactment that was blatantly false? I'll be honest with you, Frank. I'm a whore for attention. We I, can tell. I can tell, yeah. Um, well, we do have actually an expert here uh, who does uh, want to... Chime in with about that. Let's uh, go to the expert, please. My name is Mariana. Hi. Hi. I'm an astronaut. Oh, you're an astronaut. I've been all through space, and I have not found God yet. Um, God isn't in space. God is kind of above Above? Space. There's no such thing as above space. I agree. Yeah, there is. I don't know much about God, but I saw a TV show once where they said that he was omnipresent, so wouldn't that mean God's everywhere and in everything? Including space, presumably. Well, so, so I've been told by this wonderfully informative TV show. So, let me see. So if you've... Uh, I'm sorry, what was your name? Mary? Mariana. Mariana, Thank I you. apologize. Uh, what, I'm sorry, what country's program have you been an astronaut for? America. Actually, if I could interrupt for a second, Van Clive Enterprises has been funding this. It's a great tax write-off. Um, well, that's very nice of you. Wait, I'm sorry. You've been funding NASA? Yes. They do need help. Okay, just checking. I, I thought tax dollars funded NASA. That they get from me. They do, actually. I believe I, I did read that in the uh, uh, budget, <sighs> the federal budget, that the entire amount of his taxes would be paid directly to NASA. Uh, but that's an irrelevant uh, question, other than that there is sort of a conflict of interest. So you should have said that in the interest of full disclosure, Mariana. But uh, now that you're saying that, uh, let's say that uh, you've been to space and you've never seen God. This is true. But uh, if God really is omnipresent, therefore, couldn't I just as validly say, I've been to this studio, and God wasn't there saying hi, and therefore... Yes, and therefore he doesn't exist. But God is clear. Case closed. How much money is this going to cost for me to win this I'm sorry, God is clear? You can't see him. He's clear. God is clear. I can see clear things. He's clear. 5,000, 10,000, name your price, Frank. I'm well, sorry. May I, I point something out in the interest of logic, which we seem to have lost yes, in this please. debate? Oh, please. Frank Allen's glasses are clear, and I can see them. Well, they have a frame on them. Yeah. The lenses are clear, and I can still see that they exist. Well, the lenses are right up near my eyes. God. The lenses are right up near my eyes, That's and true. I can see right through them. But you can see that they exist. God's like air. Can you see air? Frankie, darling, this babbling is very entertaining and all, but you'd be foolish to not pick me as the winner. I can really take this show places. Well, uh, now that's an interesting point, but I believe we have another uh, expert actually right now. Uh, Let me go over to line two. Hello? 
Did we lose? Hello there. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Uh, yes. Hi, my name is Marjorie Miggins. Hello, Miss Miggins. Thank you for calling. Yes. Um, I'm a member... I actually founded an organization that is, uh, that was founded to help, uh, young children and, uh, provide them with, uh, safe alternatives to, uh, working for, uh, Van Clive Enterprises. Oh. Because, safe uh. Safe alternatives? <laughs> There's nothing better than working yes. for me. Uh, we've been trying to rescue children who've been, uh, kidnapped by Van Clive Enterprises and kidnapped. forced. Forced to make space Listen exploring here. equipment. The allegations of sweatshops are unsubstantiated. In fact, I've won numerous lawsuits. It's been proven in courts of law. Van Clive Enterprises does not have sweatshops. Um, now wait, but that's, you can't prove a negative. Frank, I can buy, I mean prove anything. Well, that's persuasive. But weren't there Thank pictures? More, yes, that's I have pictures. Right here. Oh, oh, you know what? Here, fax them to our, our number. One sec, one fax sec. them to our number. Here we go. I, I'm getting the pictures now. All right, hold on. How do you respond, Mr. Clive, to this? This. A blurry photo? It, I, I can't I tell think it's what very it is. Clear. The pictures I saw on the website were much, much clearer. I think they were just a... I think what... I think what a, looking at this picture... It appears it was a small photo on a website. Somebody blew it up, and I can't... It's all pixelated. Looks like Photoshop to me. Okay, well, how about <sighs> this picture about of uh, Mr. Van Clyde? Clive. Clive. Is that, maybe that's the confusion. You're talking about Mr. Van Clyde. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. These pictures are Mr. Van Clyde. Your, these pictures are let Mr. Me, let me get my other Van Clyde Enterprises. That's oh, a different... Van Clyde, my competitor. Yes, he does run sweatshops. All right. All right. Well, let me yes, get... Yes, yes. But I, I have these pictures from Mr. Van Clyde's sweatshop. Clive. Oh. Mr. Yes, Van, Van Clyde's. Yes, We've established Van Clyde. these are Van Clyde pictures. How are you helping? All right. Oh, you know what? Um, listen, I, I do have to get back to Jessa. I have to get back to Jess. I have these way. pictures. I know I have them in here. You know, these pictures don't seem to be giving very much evidence to either <laughs> side. So I'm going to I'm gonna move on. Uh, but uh, Jessa, <laughs> thank you. More money, please. Thank you. Uh, J- I'm sorry. Jessa, as you were saying. You can't see God. Can you he's feel him? He's just there sometimes. No, I mean, like, if he's, you know, you can... Like if air is blowing at you, you can you can't see it, but you can feel it. And I was wondering if God, you know, can do that too. Sometimes. So maybe that's why we don't feel him. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. I know somebody who can't feel God, Wait, oh, and sorry. those are the children, the innocent children who are working. Hey, lady. Can <laughs> you like, let me talk, lady? Thank you. Ooh. I was on your side. I'm trying to help you. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hold on now. Hold on. What we got to do is we do have to start wrapping this up. So, Mr. Van Clive. Uh, can you please give your closing arguments, and then I will allow Jessa to do the same. Certainly. It's been a pleasure to be on your program, Frank. Thank you. Constance, darling, warm up the jacuzzi. I'll be home in a little bit. Open and shut. I'm correct. I bleed money. How could I be wrong? So it's fairly convincing uh, in, a, in a very green way. Um, Jessa, do you have any counter payments? See, I don't really care if people believe me or not. Because Jesus loves me, like, every night. I'm sorry? (laughs) Every night when I go to bed, Jesus loves me. And I don't need to explain his love to everybody else. Actually, I think you might need to explain that a little bit more. Yes, do tell. I feel Jesus' love. I I know he loves me. Every night when I pray. Why is it only at night that he loves you? I don't understand. Because I'm praying in my bed. Hmm. All right. Well, these are these are interesting arguments, not incredibly related. But let's uh, 
use the old decidingness, and uh, it, it turns out Mr. Van Clive did win. Oh, and I, as you know, if there I was don't any care, question. Jesus, <laughs> no, no, Jesus still loves me. Look, in the, in the interest of full disclosure, he did give me quite a bit of money during the course of this debate, but I those know. were just gifts in recognition of your partners. I still used the coin, and it really did come up tails. Mr. Allen, I won't tell on you. It's okay. You won't. T- there's nothing to tell. Frank, Jesus can I have, saw. Frank, can knows. I have my double-tailed coin back, please? Oh, yes. Here you go. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, we do... Uh, Jesus, I need you now. We do have an all-new Tractor Fiction next week. Uh, you should stick around for the whole next week until then. I don't know what I'm talking about, but the point is, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this, and we'll enjoy the next one just as much here on WHRW Binghamton. I'm Frank Allen. Goodbye. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Justin Ha, Lynn Nelson, Magdalena Richards, Ava Rosenblatt, Elijah Weberhan, and Jordan D. White. You know, and, I, and that's exactly why what I'm talking about, the rich with all of their, you know, like, you know, richness and, uh, you know, being like richy richness people like being like, oh, I can, I have all this money, you know, and just holding it over all the poor. And Frank, you seem to be in league with them in that, you know, episode there. No, it's just a, it's a joke. And, and also that was a liberal, uh, uh, billionaire. Yeah, but how liberal can you be when you have that much money? Come on. What what does that mean? It's just, I'm just saying. Not to mention, can I just say, in many ways, the liberal idealism that you have is the kind of thing that can only come with privilege. What is that supposed to mean? I'm saying the poor don't have the luxury of that sort of, you know, way of looking at the world because they're too busy trying to survive. So what do you know about hardship? That's, I take offense to that. It it doesn't matter what you think today. You're going to be thinking something very different tomorrow. It's not a problem. Why would I change my mind? You're not going to change your mind. I mean, after the, I don't, again, I don't want to say too much. There's probably some of the people are already in the lab. It's a scary place. But again, you know, just keep yourself calm. It's not a big deal. The tubes are not going to hurt when you're inside of them. You know, they're just going to help you. You're going to feel better when you come out of them. What are, what tubes? What, what are these tubes? Don't, for Christ sake, Frank. I don't think that he's being unreasonable, Jordan. This does not sound right. No, do I have to go to tube? No, escape. You're a cat. You're fine. You're good the way you are. You don't, you know, you're not, you're not susceptible to the evils of humanity. Oh, good, good. <laughs> That's good, because I don't like being put inside of things. I know. Yes, we don't, we put you in, like, a box to go to the vet or something. Don't put me in a box to go to the vet! For Christ's sake! No, I said I'm not, I'm not gonna, we're not doing that. Good! So, see, you're getting the cat all worked up. Well, I'm worked up. You're going to put me in a tube. You're not going to put him in a box, but you're putting me in a tube. The tube. Did you just hear what I said? You're going to feel better when you come out of it. Again, those of you listening, you, you know, you're typically the labs, most of them anyway, depending on where in the nation you are, are set up is in kind of a one-way thing so that, you, you know, everybody keeps moving through. But if you could see the people coming out of the tubes, you would see that they were smiling. It's not a big deal. Everybody's going to be cool. Everybody's going to be cool. Not too worried. This doesn't sound like a pleasant situation for for anyone involved. It's it's fine, but we have to move on. Now, uh, I noticed when I was planning the episodes for the future that uh, this episode, next episode, and the next episode after that are all episodes that have either Tractor Fiction or Debatatorium, which means we've got multiple scapey stories in a row. Now, what I decided to do was take that opportunity to do something a little special and try to reward Frank Allen for being patient. Well, I don't think it's that big of a reward. Apparently, I'm going to be tubed. You don't even know what that means. Well, it's... I don't... You're so... So just... Stop complaining. What I decided to do was we would take this opportunity to do a series of episodes of Scapey Stories that are all connected. So hopefully you all enjoy them.
Welcome to Scapey Stories from A Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White, and I am pleased to tell you that this is the first of a six-part series. Yes, Scapey is going to be telling the Herbert West Reanimator tale, which was a uh, serialized story by H.P. Lovecraft, and we've broken it back into its six pieces, and uh, over the course of three episodes in a row, and then three episodes interspersed, Scape is going to tell this tale to our good friend, Mr. Frank Allen. Hello, thank you for letting me be here. It is my pleasure, Frank Allen, to have you on the show. It, no, okay, well, good. It's my pleasure to be here, too, I guess. But uh, thank you for having me. I mean, because, you know, three in a row, which means I don't even get to do an interview. Well, that's okay, because you get to be on my show and listen to my harrowing tale of Herbert West. That I do. Now, uh, Frank, Reanimator, the film that is based on this story, is one of my favorite movies of all time, I would say. Uh, have you ever seen it? No, uh, I haven't. Nor have I read the story, obviously. Right, right. Now, Scape technically has seen Reanimator, but he doesn't really remember it very well, because he wasn't really paying attention. No, I think I fell asleep. Well, it's not because it's boring, though, just because you're a cat. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I sleep sometimes. But it is important to note that he has not read the entire story. All he has read, all, all I have read him, really, is this first part. So he doesn't know where the story's going. He has no idea what's going to happen in the future. All he knows is what Mr. Lovecraft has told us in this first tale. So why don't we get right to it? All right. Herbert West, the animator by H.P. Lovecraft. Part one. From the dark. Okay, so like once upon a time, I was like, I had a friend in college, okay? When I was in college, and my friend was also in college, I had a friend. And his name was Herbert West, okay? Reanimator. No, that wasn't, but that's not, that's not his name, as you will soon learn. Well, I mean, no, you read it right now, because I'm telling you, that's not his name. That was what the story is called. But he was my friend in college, okay? But, but at this point, I could only talk about him in extreme. Terror. Okay, I'm scared. All right. Uh, it's not because of the way he disappeared, which we'll talk about later. I think. At least not entirely because of that, but really, it's mostly because of the creepy-ass stuff that he did when I knew him. Okay, it all started to get super creepy when we were in Miskatonic University Medical School, just like my mom is in medical school, okay? And we were in our third year, and uh, at the time, I, I was just, like, fascinated by the crazy stuff that he would do. I'd be like, whoa, this is so interesting. But now, I'm just like, holy crap, that was scary, because time has changed my perceptions. That's very savvy of you. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you the story of the first time that something super scary and crazy happened, okay? Here we go. First of all, in medical school, he was very infamous to all of the students and teachers because he was always talking about, oh, I bet you I could bring somebody back to life, because he didn't believe in soul. He didn't believe in right. Like, like, super natural magic that makes people arrive. He was just like, oh, everything is just chemical reaction. So all I gotta do is find the right chemical reaction, and uh, guess what? I would reanimate the dead, okay? And everybody was like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> but he didn't believe them. He was like, no, it's gonna work. So he was trying to bring, so in his spare time, he would like, try to bring animals back to life, like rabbits and birds and dogs and cats and things. And he was basically, everybody got really annoyed because they were like, stop killing your animals, douche. We are using them. What are they using the animals for? Well, it's, it's medical. 
school. So they're probably like diagnosing them. I don't know. But to have animals, look, everybody's like, stop killing animals. And he was like, nah. but, but But that's not important because what matters is that sometimes he would actually get them to move after they were supposed to be dead. And people were like, well, maybe they weren't dead. Right, da, 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 da. And he was like, but they were. Okay, so the problem is that he soon discovered, all right, that the, the same chemical solution didn't work on different animals. So, like, cat juice doesn't work on dog brains, okay? Hold on, I guess that makes sense, sure. Right, so the problem was, he realized uh, he's going to need to have dead people if he wants to make it work on people. Well, that's not going to go over well. No, it's not, no, because people don't know what to do to be poking the dead things. Well, no, that's not why. I mean, they, they do work on dead bodies in med school. I mean, your mom did. Oh, uh, whatever, but he was tr- he was trying to bring dead things back to life, uh, dead people back to life, and the dean was like, uh, no, guess what? No way. You have to go away from medical school now. So, like I said, him and me were, like, good friends. And we would talk a lot, and I would always listen to his theories. I'd be like, oh, it's very interesting. And he would say, like, oh, you know, there's no such thing as sorrow, and I can overcome death, maybe, I think. And, yep, all he felt was that you just have to have a body that is still complete, all of its organs, and it's in pretty good condition. If it's not deteriorating or like decomposing, I guess, then it should be okay. You could be able to bring it back. Although he didn't realize, he did realize that, like, maybe the brain cells might be, like, sensitive, and they might be, like, dead for a little while and damage them a little bit. But he was like, it's okay. And at first he was trying to to make a chemical that you would put in the body first before you died so that after your natural chemical stuff stopped, it would have fake chemical. So that way you didn't actually have to die. It would just continue. But it didn't work because it wasn't compatible. That's what he learned. Still, when he was on animals, he learned that. So we're going back to the animal part now. You're, you're, you're skipping back? No, I'm just saying that this is something he learned when he was working on animals. So that's why he had to have dead things rather than living things. Well, that, is that shocking? He's trying to cure death and he, he needs to have things that are dead first. I mean, that makes sense. No, because I'm saying what he was trying. He was trying to make it so that when they were arrive, they got the shot, and then it was like, okay, now they don't die. Oh, so like a death vaccine? That's stupid. Well, it didn't work, so whatever. Well, okay. Anyway, <laughs> look. So soon after he got kicked out of school is when... I, we, he was like, well, listen, dude, Skippy, I'm going to still try to bring dead people back to life. I'm just not going to do it for schools. I have to figure out a way to get dead bodies, okay? <laughs> and that would kind of freak me out, I'll be honest, because we didn't have to get our own dead bodies when we were in med school. We would get them from the morgue, and if we didn't get them from the morgue, we would pay somebody to steal them. It, it didn't have to get them ourselves. That's gross. But that's what he was saying. He was like, we go to the seven uh, but not, maybe we would go to Potter's Field because they don't always embalm everybody there. <laughs> that's, that's not legal. You have to embalm dead bodies. Well, look, this was back a long time ago when I was in college. How long ago were you in college? No, I'm not, 
I wasn't really in college. It's a story, but it took place a long time ago, and they didn't embalm everybody upon its field because they didn't. So just you know, that's that's ridiculous. They, you have to. I mean, it's a law. It's a stupid law, but it's a law. You have to put the chemicals in the body. No, that's what he's trying to do. Put the chemicals in the body. Well, that's what embalming is. That's not. I don't think it is. What? Then what do you think embalming is? It's a. It's a. It's a it's where, it's where you burn it up. No, that's not embalming. Well, look, he tried to put chemicals in the bodies, okay? He can't do it if they if they burn up. That's not what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. He, he wants them not embalmed. So anyway, I was like, like I said, I was helping him out. And I was like, okay, uh, when we get this dead body, we should bring it to the, the Chapman barn because it's it's empty and abandoned and we could do our experiments there. And so we set it up. We have a little science laboratory in the barn. And we said, if we, if we get caught, we say it's, uh, it's a chemical lab. For some reason. Okay, that's a good idea. And, um, and, and we could bury the bodies in the cellar. Okay, yeah, that's good, that's good. So we started reading the newspaper every day for the death page. The death page. The obituary. The page where they say are the dead people. And we would be like, hmm, this one is, this one's no good. He, he had his heart explode. This one's no good because they had their head chopped off or something. Well, I don't think they usually put that sort of detail. They, no, but we were, the point is we were looking for the right kind of body because we had to find with all the organs. And so we had to be like, hey, what, which one can we use? And the problem was the, the, the school got the pick of all the good bodies. They would go first and be like, can we have it for a minute? School, and, I, and then we'd be like, oh, stupid medical. So we had to wait till the summer when there was only summer school. And re- but eventually, we heard about a guy who drowned. And we were like, oh, that, that guy sounds good. And he was buried because he was buried by the town. They didn't have right money, so they just kind of didn't embalm him, and they just kind of buried him at the end. That's the end of the story? No, that's that. No, that's the end of that sentence. The point is, we were gonna, that's the body we wanted to get. So we read in the middle of the night, and we started digging up his grave, okay? Which was a little creepy, let me tell you. Even though it was not as creepy as I would feel like the graveyard was later, given what happened later. Why would happen later? Well... I don't, I don't know yet, but something which makes graveyards creepier. Okay, what you don't, so it's, what, it's not in the story? Well, it might be in the later part of the story. Look, just, we were in the graveyard, and we were like, uh, guess what, this is spooky. But we dug him up, and we pulled the guy out, and we put it back on the dirt, so it didn't look like we had stirred the dead guy, and we brought him back to our secret lab in the Chapman barn. Okay. And so there he was lying there, and it wasn't as creepy, you know, the right that we set up, and it was, it was a rab, you know, and so we just were like, okay, that's a dead guy, whatever, and he kind of looks like he's sleeping, okay, sure. It's not a big deal. It wasn't so creepy, and had you seen like a good choice, because it was like, oh, he looks strong and healthy, and you know, good, good, good. This was exactly what West had always wanted. He wanted, like, a good, healthy body, still all his organs, not not dead for too long, da 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 fresh, you know, so it's all good. And we knew that he was dead for a little while, so it would be hard to do full. I mean, it was gonna, he probably wouldn't have all his faculties, so to speak, I would 
exciting. But, you know, we, we couldn't do it anyway. Uh, but it was a real scare because we were like, who knows what partial reanimation might be, you know? <laughs> and the fact is, I still kind of was like, maybe there's a soul, so maybe he would have mysteries of the afterlife. But for the most part, I still didn't really believe that. So I was just kind of like, whatever, this is going to be cool. This is going to be cool? You're going to bring a dead guy back to life and that's cool to you? Well, yeah, because it's like, this is how science is, okay? You just have to do experiments and you get to discover science. Well, I don't think that is exactly, I mean, it doesn't sound like a quite the right summary of science. Well, you, you, I went to medical school. In the story, so I know. In the story? Well, yeah, but I'm the one saying it in the story. But it's not real. Well, look, that's closer to medical school than you got. Well, I'm, what, how do you, what does that even mean? I've been in a medical school, so that's closer than you've got. No, because in the story, I was in it as a student. What is a story? It doesn't matter if it's a story. It's me. You, no, because you always say it's not you. The guy who's in the story is not a cat. No, but in the story, I'm not a cat. And it's not you. Oh, it says I. Look, I'm saying I was in medical school with doing science, and Herbert West was going to stick the, the chemical in the dead body. So that's what's going on, okay? Whatever. That's right, whatever. So he stuck the chemical in the dead body, and we were like, okay, so now he's going to come back to life, right? And we were waiting, and like a lot of time was going by, and was like, okay, well... I guess he's not coming back to life. And Herbert was like, well, yeah, let me just make a little change in the chemical. And I'll see. I'm going to make up a new chemical because maybe we'll try again. And I was like, okay, well, uh, sure, because tomorrow he's going to be gross. So we have to bury him tonight. So might as well try again. So we went to the next room and we start making some chemicals. Is the sound of making chemicals? Yeah, just like mixing and some bubbles and things. And it's making stuff happen. And all of a sudden. I was pouring something in her test tube, and it was like, ha, 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 ha. there was all this yelling from the next room. Ha! And it was like, really scary. We were just like, what the, who's, somebody's yelling. Oh my God. And it was like, the most horrifying screams of the damned in hell. And it was just like, oh my God, that is the frighteningest sound. Like our blood was curdling, and our teeth were chattering. It was scary. And we were just like, oh God. So we both jumped out of the window of the barn. And just like ran as fast as we could. And we were just like, and we ran really far. And uh, we ran all the way back to his house where he lived. And we were just like, what do you think? Oh my God. And we stayed up all night, like just being like, and then we didn't even go to school the next day because we were so scared we could just slept our day because we stayed up all night. That's good. I thought he was kicked out of school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I didn't go to school, and he didn't either. But the point is that we were really freaked out. And so, we, but we slept all day. But then the next night, we couldn't sleep either. Because, here's why, we looked in the newspaper, and we saw two things, okay? There's probably more than two things in the newspaper. Yes, but we saw two particular things, okay? Oh. Number one is that the barn burned down. Totally burned down. And we were like, okay, well, that makes sense because we left a, a lantern burning and maybe it just fell over and everything burned down and da 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 Sure. Okay. That 
would be fine. You're okay with that? No, I mean, it's inconvenient, sure. But, I mean, it fits in with my worldview, okay? Well, that's very convenient for you. Yeah. But then the other thing was, number two, they found something had disturbed a grave in Potter's Field, as though someone had been crying at the grave with their bare hands. And we were like, uh, guess what? That wasn't us, because we used shovels, number one, and number two, we covered it, we buried it back again, we pat, pat, patted it down, it didn't look any different, so it wasn't us. What could it have been? And so, for the like, next 17 years after that... Herbert West was, like, freaked out, and, uh, guess what? Now he's missing. So, the end of part one. That's, that's the end of part one? He's missing? Well, yeah, I, I said he was missing at the beginning. Did you not hear that? Well, I, yeah, I guess I did. I just wasn't paying that much attention. Well, then what do I have you here for? Your, the whole job is to pay attention. Well, I mean, I, I paid attention to the story uh, as a whole. I didn't latch on to that detail. Well, it, he's missing, so, turns out... You should. Okay, here I am. Good. So, what did you think of part one of the story? Uh, it's fine. He's brought that guy back to life, I guess. Well, I didn't say that. Yeah, but, I mean, he, uh, that's what happened, right? I mean, he was in the... He gave the guy the chemical, and then he went to the other room, and... Yeah, but it could have been... Maybe it was... You never know. It was It was a monkey. It wasn't a monkey. That's what... I'm sure it was the guy. Yeah, but we didn't see it, so... You never... I'm, I'm just saying this that we never know. But then, on the grave... It doesn't say who did it! You're reading into it. You're supposed to read into stories. That's how stories work. No, stories work that they say things. But some things are written between the lines. No, that's not that's not possible. There's two rhymes, and if there was something written between them, that would be another rhyme. It's only written between the rhymes if you skip every other rhyme. It's not, no, it's a metaphor. It's It means it's, there are things that you take out of the story that aren't literally there, but they, they imply things, and then you infer those things. At work. I'm, you might be right, okay? You might be right that that was, they brought somebody back to life. I'm just saying, the story doesn't say that. This could be like one of those things where it's like, oh, something spooky's going on. No, there's a perfectly rational explanation. I don't think that's going to be what the story is. Well, you never know. Fine. So, Scapia, um, given that this is part one of six, are you going to do a scary moral for every part? I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, yes. Well, what, I, what I'm going to do is, I think you can say what I think the scary moral might be overall so far. But at the end, we're not for reals. Okay, so what what do you think the scary moral so far is? I think so far the scary moral is be careful because your chemical might take longer than you think. First of all, that's stupid. That's not the moral. Second of all, that means that you think the guy came back to life too. Oh, I didn't work. I, don't, I didn't say he didn't come back to life. I just said the story didn't say that. But, yeah, he probably did. Then why were you giving me a hard time? Because it's just, I'm just, I just wanted to. Forget it. You gave me a hard time. I was return hard timing. That's, you're a jerk. Well, get used to it. Well, <laughs> get, maybe, maybe, yeah, he might be right. Maybe you should get used to it. Because you'll be back next week from a second part of Herbert West Reanimator, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Well, he makes me mad. Well, he did make you mad, but you're going to be back, right? <sighs> yeah, fine. Good, good, good. So, escape? Yes, that, that is fine. No, I mean, do you want to end it? Right, right. Come back next time for part two of Herbert West, Reanimator. The Plague Demon! <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. And at this point, uh, I would say a good number of you, depending on how, how far back in the line you were, uh, a good number of you have already gone through the tubes. So good. Good on you. Um, again, you're, you're a much happier person. You're, you're more content with your place in society and you know that you will be utilized to your utmost. And that's great. What does that mean? Uh, what is it? What does that mean? 
Again, he's all questions. They're not asking questions anymore. You won't be either. So just relax. Everything's going to be all right. Um, as you continue along the path to the processing where, where you are going to be, again, sorted into your specific work groups and your future life status uh, 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 placement officers, you'll probably feel a lightness. Uh, it's, it's, it's the weight of the world being lifted off of you. That's what it is. So again, relax. Uh, the world is going to be a much more efficient place. And I would say on the whole, a much more contented place. Probably one free of, you know, the crime that we deal with and and the definitely free of the corruption that we deal with because there's no with no money how can there be as much corruption and i know people you probably would say oh well there's going to be greed as far as you know mon- uh, food or or power but you know that's again that's what the tubes are all about uh we've changed people on a pretty fundamental level i think so it's going to be pretty exciting to see where america goes from here uh, are you saying that you're you're going to be changing the way people function by putting them in some sort of tube and altering them well at this point in the, the playing of the podcast anyway, um, it will have already happened to the majority of people. So yes, I mean, spoiler for those of you who are still in the back of the line. But again, it's going to be good when you, when you're, once you're through, you won't be afraid anymore. I mean, you're, you're, it's weird because you're thinking, you, Rory, are thinking of it as, well, I don't want to change that way. Well, you don't. But once you've done it, you'll say, I was wrong and I do want to have changed this way and I am content with my place in society. Um, so, you know, obviously it's changed for the better. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, so, let's all just relax and uh, not worry about it. Ah, Frank, do you have any any words of wisdom on this? No, I'm pretty aghast. I don't really know how to respond to this. No, do I? Well, I, that's fine, but you'll be responding with cheers next week. So, um, Scape, it's time for a Scapey song where you uh, just have your, your song for the episode. Oh, good, good, good. Let's do it, Dad. The people are rising up. Today, don't you know, the people don't put up with your nonsense, and the people are gonna shine down on you today, the people won't get you any pretense, That was beautiful, Scapey, and I think that we will make that our our national anthem. (sighs) It was beautiful. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for making it your soundtrack to the revolution. Um, I'm honored, and hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, Herbert West was a lot of fun, Scapey. So you looking forward to the next episode? Yeah, it's going to be good. I hope he uh, reanimates some stuff. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Uh, and uh, I hope that you all have good and productive lives from here on out, which I'm sure you will again. I should mention one other thing. For those of you who managed to evade us, um, you won't be able to keep it up. I mean, turn yourself in. There's still going to be a kind of a, a window of opportunity to turn yourself in for the next day or two. After that, I again, I can't be held responsible. 
you're, you're making the choice for yourself. So, look, um, thank you for, again, thank you all for t- participating in this uh, revolution. Thank you for being the right kind of people now to make the country great. So, I appreciate that. Um, and Frank and Rory, again, I understand you're upset. Yeah. Okay, so, yes. I, yeah, I, and like I said, I do understand it's scary, but you will, you will be fine. I will be making sure that both of you personally are altered successfully and made into good people. So it's, you know, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be, I mean, it's not going to be the same. I'm not going to say nothing's going to change. A lot's going to change, but it's going to change for the best and you're going to be part of it and you're going to feel great about that. Don't you think? I guess. If you say so, yes. Well, don't be, don't be upset. Uh, but I did also earlier today record Waxwork Theme F on the ukulele with, you know, other backing instruments. So I think it turned out pretty well, everybody. Theme F, as you all know, is 51 Reasons, which uh, there's going to be a lot more reasons come tomorrow, of course, because... Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm making that up. The point is everybody's going to have a pretty similar mind. So, you know, we'll all like guest wax and that's great for me, for my podcast. So um, anyway, thank you for listening and thank you future listeners who have listened to this to hear the history of the revolution even more so. There's probably a lot more of you because um, there's not very many listeners now. So um, yeah, that's, that's all the thanks I need to give, I think. So be seeing you. Episode of Cast and Wax on Guard Duty. 
voodoo lady tells people how to get things done. I know reading off a string of numbers is valuable time you could be using to polish up the old EarthGuard alumni newsletter or whatnot, but I'll try to be quick about it. For my part, I find the less time I spend talking about how much there is to do, the more I have to do it. Weird, huh? And on Debatatorium, some very persuasive arguments are used about incredibly important issues. If apples is worse than oranges, oranges has to be at least as good as apples. But why? Because, obviously, apples is awful. They're no good. Oranges isn't awful. There's some good that must be better than the apples. Plus, on this day in history, we find out that you should call ahead when you invade Russia. Oh, that's too bad. I wanted to meet some Russians. Well, they didn't really want to meet you. All this coming your way on September 14th. And it's all only on waxwork.com. Obviously. Well, yes, it is the only place it appears. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying.